You have meddled with the primal forces of nature! Like we always do about this time. This should be played at high volume. Welcome to the Marketers with Attitudes podcast. This is the place where we teach you how to become the best content marketer you can possibly be. My name is Joshua Barclay, and I'll be your host. In May of 2021, Google will begin judging the quality of your website by looking at page experience factors like loading time, interactivity, and visual stability. So, if you want to rank on the first page of Google and get the website traffic you need to generate revenue for your business, you better get your website ready to adhere to the Core Web Vitals update. Today, I'm talking to someone who will help you get your website ready for this year's Core Web Vitals update. I'm talking about technical SEO expert Joe Hall. Joe has been developing websites since the days of dial-up internet, and he has been working as a professional SEO for more than a decade. Joe is the founder of Hall Analysis, a high-level SEO consulting agency with big-name clients like Buffer and NBC Universal. Now sit back and listen as Joe Hall gives you the advice you need to get your website in shape for 2021. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Joe Hall, welcome to the Marketers with Attitudes podcast. Thank you for having me. Now we got Google announcing this uh, this big core Web Vitals update that's coming in 2021. Based on what you've encountered, do you think webmasters are ready for this? No, not at all. <laughs> um, so you know, actually do a lot of this kind of work is this uh, web performance optimization, and you know SEOs have been looking at this for a while. Because, you know, for a while, Google has said that page speed is a ranking factor. I've always kind of looked at it as being sort of a secondary ranking factor, uh, meaning that, you know, you need to look at everything else uh, before you really stress out about page speed. But it seems as if they may be upping the ante a little bit more with this and focusing on the uh, core web vitals, which is three metrics within their overall page speed score that distills down sort of like three main areas of web page performance uh, optimization. And, you know, they're looking at those things and they're, they're saying that those are going to become a, a ranking factor. You know, they said the same thing about page speed and there were a lot of sites that did not do much with their page speed and they still did well with SEO. You know, like I said, I think of that was always a sort of a secondary ranking factor. Core web uh, vitals uh, could be the same kind of situation where it's more of a, a secondary factor than like a primary factor. But because they are making that effort and talking about it more, it does mean that it will have some sort of role to play. My experience has been that most sites just don't, are not there yet with it. You know, a lot of sites have at least like one or two of those metrics that they do well with, but then the other one they, they, they do really poorly with. So it will be interesting to see what happens with this. And it's going to open up a lot more opportunities for uh, technical SEO and, and more specialized development for this kind of task as well. Do you have any recommendations for uh, site owners, webmasters, how, whatever you want to call them these days? Do you have any recommendations for them entering 2021? Maybe just a simple checklist or just sort of a, a simplified way to look at where your site needs to be to adhere to these uh, Google um, specifications, if you will. Yeah, sure. So, you know, Web Core Vitals is, is definitely 
a technical aspect of SEO. Um, I've been thinking about like in, more broadly in general, what, what webmasters need to do for 2021. And I, I, one of the things I've been thinking about a lot lately is that webmasters and SEOs in general need to get back to basics because we have seen a lot of growth in technical SEO and there's been a lot of discussion within the SEO community online about a lot of the more advanced aspects of technical SEO and advanced aspects of content optimizations, which is very interesting. A lot of it's really interesting stuff. The truth is, is that fundamentally the, the fundamental basics of SEO are still very important. And I get clients all the time that come to me and they say, you know, we've done this very advanced SEO process and we've done this, this, and this but it's not changed our rankings or traffic at all. And I go and do an audit of the site and they have not done any of the basic best practices. And so I think that what we need to do as a community and as an industry is get back to basics and talk more about the fundamental basic aspects of SEO um, and what are the best practices because the best practices are called the best practices for a reason. And, and but real quick, can you sort of just uh, give me a list and break down sort of when you say those best practices and those fundamentals specifically, what are you, what do you? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I usually break it down into three areas. I usually look at technical SEO, which is best practices for things like your HTML, all your meta tags, all your uh, on-page, you know, HTML tags, best practices for JavaScript, and best practices for uh, CSS for SEO. Um, and then we want to look at like best practices for internal linking and best practices for things like structured data and that kind of thing. You know, look at things like page speed, best practices for page optimizations and whatnot. And then after the technical aspects, you want to look at content. So is your content well-developed for the user? Is it optimized with the right keywords? Is it enough content, that kind of thing? Are you removing duplicate content? All the best practices in there. And the last section would be best practices for link building. And so are you getting high quality links? Do you have enough links? Are you getting a good mix of anchor text? Do you have anchor text that also drives the right terminology for each page? And then are those links being spread onto the rest of the site in a way that works well for search engines and users? And so there's best practices in each one of those three areas, technical content and links. And if you can follow the best practices for each one of those areas, uh, then you should do well with SEO. It's important not to get sidetracked. And what, you know, when the reason I'm, I'm talking about this is an example of a way to get sidetracked is to focus on something like BERT, which is a natural language processing algorithm for content. And it's, it's super interesting. And like, you can learn a lot about how uh, the algorithms are using natural language processing. Um, and you can maybe in some cases use that type of understanding to optimize content. But if you are not first addressing like the best practices for like technical SEO before you start implementing BERT on, on content, then the time that you spend on that content is just kind of wasted because it's not going to rank unless everything else is fixed. So there's no point in really focusing on like these really advanced aspects of SEO until you get the best practices done first. How did you get involved with technical SEO? And can you give me sort of the, um, the genesis of Hall Analysis, how you started the company? Yeah, sure. So, uh, 
I always used to build websites. I was a web developer for a long time. Started back in the 90s. And then um, I kind of got a little sidetracked in college. I went to college and studied politics. And while I was there, uh, I worked with a lot of nonprofits. And I was like one of the only people that was working with the nonprofits that knew how to build websites. And so I built them a lot of websites while I was, you know, kind of volunteering with them. And then uh, after school, I kept managing a lot of those sites for them and then realized that, hey, you know, I should really, you know, be getting paid for this. Getting a job, you know, in politics is like near impossible unless you're like seriously driven at it. I started a small business where I was building websites for nonprofits and small businesses. I did that for probably about three or four years. Eventually, my clients started asking me more about marketing. And so I started to look more into SEO and started doing SEO uh, in 2009. And then in 2012, I quit the development completely and just did SEO completely. That was all I did was SEO uh, by 2012. And then I kind of quit that business. I, I went to work for an agency doing SEO, then left there and started Hall Analysis um, after I left there. Hall Analysis, and, then I, and actually within that meantime too, I went and worked for another agency as well. Now I'm back at Hall Analysis again. It's a consulting company that I like to think of as sort of a, a hybrid between a agency and a consultancy because we deliver, I think the same level of consulting that most SEO agencies do, but we don't do the same business model as an agency. We don't do like a a retainer or anything like that. We just basically are all project-based and our work is just primarily consulting. We don't do any implementation of SEO. You know, we just do the, the audit and strategy part of it which I feel more comfortable with. What was your reasoning behind foregoing the monthly retainer route and then implementing the project basis payment? There's pros and cons to either side, right? But really for me, it comes down to my personality because what I have found with the retainer model, and when I say this, I don't... I'm not casting shade in anyone else, you know, in the industry. But what I felt the retainer model is that when you do an, an audit or a strategy in the beginning, when you are planning like a three three or six month retainer, then typically you have a bias within that strategy to only recommend the items that you know you can implement during that retainer. The problem with that is that you get a, you might get a client in they might need link building, like they, everything else they're doing is perfect, but they just don't have enough links, but you don't offer link building, right? So your strategy document might say, okay, like we're, we're gonna build you content that will get you more links. Or you might say, okay, like you might just ignore links altogether and tell them they need something completely different. Like they, they need to work on page feed or something like that. And I don't think that, I don't think many SEOs do this like on purpose, like I don't think, of many SEOs are like lying to their clients or anything like that. I just think that that a lot of SEOs that are looking to try to maintain a, a monthly retainer have a difficult time being honest, completely honest with the client. And and so one of the benefits to for me working with me is that our our audits and strategy are completely unbiased, I feel like, in telling them what they need. So they might get a strategy from us. And even though we specialize in a technical SEO, they might get a a strategy document from us that tells them, hey, look, you know, like your technical SEO is great. You need more content and links. 
and then we'll tell them where to go for that. Or we might say, hey, you know, like, you need to fix your website. And because we're not developing a retainer after that strategy is finished, then we've got no biased aspect of what we're going to say, you know, in there. What is the most common boneheaded technical SEO mistake that you come across? A lot of the things we see is just the best practices again. Like most people are not adhering to best practices. And one of the things that we see a lot of is a lot of internal links are 301 in. That seems to be on every audit. We see internal links uh, 301 in. Some internal links pointing to 404s. That seems to be like every, every audit. The biggest, like, you know, the, the most damaging, I think, mistakes that I see a lot are when companies I- implement a domain migration without using an SEO to help out with that process. I don't think a lot of companies realize how many different things can go wrong in that process. I've even had clients where they have an SEO in-house and they still screw it up royally because they aren't, they, they, you know, they've never done that. They've never actually done a migration before. And there's a lot of ways to screw up a migration. And so I've seen that a lot. Uh, I, I end up fixing a lot of those problems for clients. And for know. context, the mi- the migration stuff can cost you, oh, it's massive. an e-commerce company, that can cost you millions of dollars. Oh, oh yeah, it's massive. It is massive. Like, I mean, I had a client this year who lost, they did a migration, they thought they did everything correctly, and they lost 90% of their traffic, 90% of their total traffic they lost because they were heavily invested in organic traffic. They thought they had done everything correctly, and they went to two different SEO agencies to try to get it fixed. They could not fix it. They came to me, and I did an audit and found the, the problems. They were kind of floored with what I showed them because they were like, oh my God, this has got to be the cause of it. And I was like, yeah, it is the cause of it. Like, this is exactly the problem. And so they fixed it and uh, their traffic started to come back. The impact can be devastating to your bottom line, you know. What SEO tools do you recommend? And and it's kind of a hacky question that gets thrown around a lot. But the reason why I ask is because I think I've blown a lot of money on SEO tools that I didn't actually need. The SEO tool market has exploded. You know, I mean, there are now so many different SEO tools out there and a lot of them are really awesome, right? Um, They've got some really good stuff out there. And so I don't think it's really fair to say like that, oh, this is the best SEO tool or like this. You need to find the ones that are going to work good for you, you know, and the ones that are going to like fit your need. But I always tell people that the most important SEO tool that you can have is the one found between your ears. You need to develop that SEO experience, that SEO insight and knowledge to know when to use the tools and when to use uh, what tool and what the context of the situation is. Um, and, and it doesn't make sense to, to utilize this tool or that tool, you know. Uh, but, but generally speaking, I think it's smart to have, you know, if you're, doing, if you're an SEO consultant or even if you're an in-house SEO, I generally think it's smart to have a good crawler. And so what I like to use is Screaming Frog. And then I've heard good things about Sightbulb, but Screaming Frog to me is, is awesome. I love it. I really like Screaming Frog because they are constantly updating it. And it's like with every update, there's new features. And it's just packed full at this point with just so many different features and so many different capabilities. It's very well priced for what you get. And I think it's a great crawler and it can be modified 
to use on an automated process. So, so you need to get a good crawler. You also need to get access to a good backlink data database or, or, or data source. And so, you know, you've got the big ones on the market are Moz, Majestic, Ahrefs, and SEMrush. I think that historically, Majestic has always had like the bigger index out of most of the other companies, but they do lack a lot of more advanced features. And I think that their database is bigger than everybody else because it's not that clean as well. Uh, so you could probably, if you want more actionable data, then you can look at something like Ahrefs or SEMrush. But Moz also has a decent link index as well. Like I think that the thing with links is, the thing, the thing with link data is that you need to find something that works well with what you are trying to do, you know, because there's some, there's some things that you might want to do, but you know, that it makes sense just to get the link data from search console. It really just depends. Ahrefs now, I think is giving their link data away for free to verified sites. I think I know Majestics does that, you know, you can verify your site in there and they get the link data for free. And then the next area I think you need to look into is some sort of a uh, keyword research tool. What I use is uh, SEMrush. Um, I'm a big fan of SEMrush for that. They have a keyword magic tool and then they have a keyword planner and you can easily just send keywords from the keyword magic tool to keyword planner. And then you can easily send those onto rank tracking tools, you know, so SEMrush is, is ideal, I think, for keyword analysis, but Moz has a decent keyword tool as well. I think like if you're looking for an all-in-one, because I know a lot of SEOs want to save money and not buy like every damn tool, you know? Right. So if you're looking for an all-in-one, I really love SEMrush. It has the capabilities of an enterprise level kind of tool, and it gives you everything you need to know right there, you know? SEMrush seems, seems, seems to me to be something that does the really good work with a lot of things for SEO, you know? And then if you can supplement their audit tool with Screaming Frog, then I think that's probably all you need, you know? SEO in 2021. Back to basics. The American dream. Money. <laughs> Expectations for 2021 as a whole. I think it's going to be positive. I do too. Yeah. Joe Hall, thank you for appearing on the Marketers with Attitudes podcast. I'm, I feel really privileged to have you on, and I just want to let you know that I appreciate you coming. Yeah, thanks so much, Josh, for having me. And I, it was a lot of fun being here, and um, I really appreciate it. I want to thank Joe Hall for being a guest on the Marketers with Attitudes podcast, and I want to thank you for listening. If this podcast gave you any value or helped you in any way, please give us a review on Apple iTunes or anywhere that you've listened to this podcast. I really appreciate it. Mark really appreciates it. From everybody here at Ouster Marketing, thank you for listening. Have a great day, and hopefully you have a great year. Take care.